So, how was this past week? How has it gone for you? Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Because I'll be honest with you, uh, the kind of year that we've had, I was a bit nervous making any kind of res <laughs> resolution. Because, let's be honest, if you had made a resolution a year ago, any resolution that went something like this, you were probably in trouble. Something like, you know what, I'm going to get out more. Or, I'm going to watch less Netflix. I'm going to get off my phone. I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to spend more time with friends. <laughs> I'm going to spend more time with grandma and grandpa. I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to go swimming more. I'm going to enjoy my friend's hot tub. I'm going to share meals with friends. I'm going to stop using drive through I'm going to travel. If, if, if your New Year's resolution had anything like that on the list, then I suspect that when you started to review your year, you started to have this overwhelming sense of, seriously, 2020? How dare you? How dare you take away from me these opportunities for me to have a resolution? And so, yeah, I could imagine you being a little bit nervous jumping in with a 2021 resolution. So here is what I am not going to talk about today. New resolutions. So you can relax, take a deep breath. Today, I believe that God desires to encourage your heart. Uh, there's this fantastic podcast that a Canadian writer, Malcolm Gladwell, um, it's called Revisionist History. So this is what it's, it says about revisionist history. It says that Malcolm Gladwell's journey through the overlooked and the misunderstood. Every episode re-examines something from the past, an event, a person, even a song, and asks whether we got it right the first time. And his line, I love this line, because sometimes the past deserves a second chance. And he has proved over and over again, episode after episode, that he is right, that sometimes the past deserves a second chance. And that church... I firmly believe is what God desires for us today. For us to have that relook at our 2020 from a different lens, a different perspective. Because perhaps our conclusions about 2020 are not God's conclusions. Perhaps what we in our pain and in our disappointment have concluded, it's actually just a half truth. That we have in fact a filter that's kind of pulled out the divine color of our year. Maybe hindsight is 2020. So, what do you see when you look back on your year? Yes, for myself, I definitely see loss. I see things that we've missed. But what about all the accomplishments? What about what we've done together or what we've even done as individuals, the progress that we've made in these different areas of our lives? Honestly, even just the fact that you are here watching right now, that is a grace. That is a gift. You have made it. We've actually made it to here. Despite everything, we are still in motion. Lamentations 3 verses 21 to 24. Now, Lamentations is an entire book basically devoted to weeping and crying and wailing and being frustrated. 
But there's these moments in Lamentations where the writer, the, the, the crier, has these peak moments of revelation and truth. And I love, in the midst of Lamentations 3, we have this. It says here, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So today, I believe God has a word of encouragement for you. I believe he wants you to attach a different filter that will help you see hope, to see strength, to see resilience, to see God's fingerprints that have been in your life this past year. Now, to do that, I'd like to first explore Matthew's account of what takes place right after Christmas and apply some hindsight to that story because that's where we're at. We've just gone through Christmas, but the story continues. Before doing that, I'd like to just pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you are King above all, and we love you. We are so thankful that we get to enter a new year with you. And Lord, I just ask that you would be present right now as we read um, Matthew's account of what happens after Christmas, that we would have eyes to see anew, that we would have fresh inspiration because we have encountered you through your divine word. And so, Lord, we come with open hands and we ask for you to teach, instruct, guide, inspire, and yes, we are ready for your encouragement. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So right after the Christmas story, the Gospel of Matthew propels his reader into a nightmare event, an event that no new family would ever want, expect, or desire. An event that at first read is only bad news. So let's read this story. Now I'm going to read the story, and it be, we're going to begin at Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 10. And I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Now the reason for that is that I hope that a different translation helps you see and hear and feel the story in a new way. So uh, you can follow along or just sit and listen. All right, Matthew 2, verses 10. And when they, the wise men, saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome, falling to the ground at his feet. They worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Afterward, they returned to their own country by another route, because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. After they had gone, Joseph had another dream. An angel of the, of the Lord appeared to him and said, Get up now and flee to Egypt. Take Mary and the child and stay there until I tell you to leave, for Herod intends to search for the child to kill him. Now let's just pause right there for a second, all right? Let's pause because... Just imagine the 180 this family just experienced. They're in their home. 
Things are stable. Things are seeming okay. The child is starting to grow. And then these three guys show up with unbelievable, beautiful gifts, right? And they finally put their heads down and say, you know what? We're going to have a little bit of income. We've just been reminded that our son is in fact the promise. And then that very night, he has a dream that says, get up right now. Your whole family's in danger. You have to flee. Oh, talk about getting like the wind knocked out of you. Your balloon burst. Like, ah, I just picture Joseph being so frustrated, so disappointed. Like, really? Right now? Right now we couldn't have a day where we could enjoy these gifts and appreciate what's in front of us? But hearing the voice of God, and he has learned over the years, you listen to the voice of God, he picks everything up and he flees. Now let's jump back and continue on in the story. So that very night, he got up and took Jesus and his mother, and they made their escape to Egypt and remained there until Herod died. All of this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I summon my son out of Egypt. When Herod realized that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. So he sent soldiers with orders to slaughter every baby boy two years old and younger in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding countryside based on the time frame he was given from interrogating the wise men. This fulfilled the words of the prophet Jeremiah. I hear the screams of anguish, weeping and wailing in Ramah. Rachel is weeping uncontrollably for her children, and she refuses to be comforted because they are dead and gone. <laughs> After Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared again to Joseph in a dream while he was still in Egypt, saying, Go back to the land of Israel and take the child and his mother with you, for those who sought to kill the child are dead. So he awoke and took Jesus and Mary and returned to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, uh, Herod's son, had succeeded him as ruler over all the territory of Judah, he was afraid to go back. Then he had another dream from God warning him to avoid the re that region and instructing him instead to go to the province of Galilee. So he settled his family in the village of Nazareth, fulfilling the prophecy that he would be known as the branch. He would be known as the Nazarene. So we have this flight to Egypt. We have this massacre by Herod, and then we have this return to Nazareth. Matthew, why? Why would you write this into the story? Why would you include this? Mark, he jumps way past it. Well, actually, Mark jumps past the entire birth story and childhood of Jesus. And so does John. Matthew, why not be like Luke? You know, Luke tells this lovely story of Jesus being presented at the temple and Simeon experiencing God's salvation. And then again at age 12, where Jesus is this like wise, anointed tween. Why taint this beautiful story with this gruesome, frustrating, disjointed story? But this story deserves a second chance. Because what is Matthew communicating to us? What does this say about God? What does this say to us, his people? So this story is all about dreams and prophecies. Dreams that say, I, the Lord, am with you in it all. And prophecies that say, I, the Lord, 
Keep my word. So let's take a little closer look. So we have the wise men. They are warned in a dream to go a different route. This, this not only is to preserve their own lives, but to preserve the lives of others. We can see that God is speaking to people that are listening. And then Joseph has the other dream where he has to get up and he has to flee. Now this flight to Egypt, I don't imagine that Joseph would have ever chosen Egypt as the place to flee. But in doing so, in Jesus being sent all the way there, it actually matches up with the Old Testament story beautifully. Jesus becomes the new Moses. For the exodus of Israel is alluded to here, right? They, a prior Joseph, protecting his family, goes to Egypt. And then this chosen person fleeing back out of Egypt becomes the salvation of God's people. An event like this could not have unfolded without a dream, without that command. This wasn't a choice of Joseph, but in his obedience, he actually was a part of God fulfilling a great promise. And then we have this massacre of the infants. Herod's anger and his bitterness, his fears just run rampant. And yet in the midst of that, a prophecy is yet again fulfilled. Jeremiah's prophecy. And something that we might forget is that Rachel, so the story of Rachel is she loses her children and, she le- and, and it's from Bethlehem. She's from the Bethlehem area. And so it's, it's, it's connecting all the way back to that ancient story of Rachel. And so we have this massacre. We have this tragedy. And we might think to ourselves, like, what, why? What, what is in this? And yes, there is prophecy fulfilled. But I do want to mention this. It's not just a prophecy being fulfilled. Ancient cultures had massacres all the time. And I'm not diminishing it. Actually, even not-so-ancient cultures have massacres all the time. We could even look at our own history, Canada's own past, and, and we can see the lengths and the atrocities that a dominant culture will go through to secure their authority. So even like my own childhood, it was common not to talk about such things. And it was easy for the prevailing culture to tell their side of the story and to ignore the rest. But Matthew's account does not ignore this horrendous event. Later in the Gospel of Matthew, it is clear that God has a deep heart for children. Children who, in that day and age, they had no status. They were barely seen as human. But God makes sure that the suffering of children is not diminished and not ignored. Forever it is recorded that this event happened. And forever it is recorded that a man like Herod, a man who was supposed to be the king, a king who was supposed to take care of Israel, but because of his selfishness, caused a massacre. It also kind of connects back to Pharaoh, that in his selfishness, in his unwillingness to relinquish control, also caused a massacre. But God's justice does not forget such things. And then we have the return to Nazareth. So Joseph, being directed by a dream again, is brought 
to Nazareth. And it again fulfills scripture. What good could come from somewhere from Nazareth? From Nazareth? You know, th- these, these moments all along are these moments, these prophetic moments that reveal something deeper going on that might be really easy for us to miss. And through this entire journey, just picture with me, Mary and Joseph, the ups and downs, there's peace for a while, they get gifts, then they have to flee, they go to Egypt. In Egypt, they likely find some other Jewish communities and cultures because there were Jews that were there at the time. They start to establish a life and then they get called back and it's this up and down. And I can picture this couple having songs like the Lamentations that we read running through their minds. Um, There's actually two verses before what I read to you earlier that I'd like to read. And I feel like it would be so fitting. I can picture Joseph saying these words, saying this, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and it bowed down within me. And and it is bowed down within me. You can see this writer just being like, Oh, my afflictions, my wanderings, when will we ever be settled? And then it's in that moment he transitions. But this I will call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's easy to only see the disruption, the death, the disappointment in this story. But behind it all, we have a God that is declaring that he is with his people. This is the Lord who is with his people. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I communicate with my people directly. I help them. I guide their steps. I protect them. I am with you. And our God is with you right now in this moment. He is with you and he has been with you every step of the way. When you celebrated with gifts this past year, God is saying, I am with you. When you are forced to take a detour, I am there. When you made choices that broke his heart, he's still saying, I was there and I am a God who gives dreams and who directs my people and I love you. I am with you. The great I am who leads his people out of Egypt, who leads his, this young couple out of Egypt and back to Jerusalem is the same God who has been leading you through it all, through the ups and through the downs, from the frustrations and the celebrations. God is with us. He's with you and he's never left you. The next thing, the second point that I want to mention is that God's will cannot be stopped. Humble beginnings, humble beginnings do not stop his powerful will. They actually eventually reveal his upside down kingdom where the weak are made strong in Christ. Interruptions in life do not stop his will. In fact, they they often eventually become prophecies fulfilled. Selfishness and evil do not stop his will. What those do is it exposes the lie of humanity that we are not the ones that we ultimately trust. We do not put our total trust in establishments and authorities in one another, but we put our total trust 
in Jesus Christ and in him alone. God and God alone has a will and it is sovereign and it is continuing forward. His kingdom is coming and his will continues to happen. There, there several years ago, I met with a spiritual director. I was just kind of going through a season where I was just really wrestling with what is God's will? How do I hear that? How do I sense what God wants from me? And in that conversation, an illustration was given to me that I'd like to share with you. And at first I was like, I'm not sure, but it really resonated. And it was this. Picture yourself um, a, a dance partner with God. That might seem odd, but this is the beauty of God's will. Picture yourself being new and not sure that you feel like you have two left feet, but God is a master at his art. He is so good at his craft that when you are near and you're, you're in that embrace and you are dancing, he can take your stumble and your misstep and he can turn it into a pirouette. He can take your, your misread and you go this way when he was actually leading you the other way and he can just turn it into a dance. God's ability, his sovereignty, his divine will, he is so perfect. He is so loving. He is so gracious that even in our foibles and our mess ups and our screw ups, he is able to take the mix of that, the mess of that, and he's able to turn it into a beautiful dance. God is not going to leave you alone. And when you mess up, he's able to work with that, to restore that, to redeem you and to turn it into something beautiful. I really believe that when you choose to allow the Holy Spirit to filter the way you think about 2020, you will see that God has been there with you. He's been not just directing your steps, but he has been stepping with you. He's been turning your mistakes into his glory being revealed. He's been turning your, your brokenness into his miraculous. This is the beauty of the God that we serve, the beauty of the God that we get to enter 2021 with. As you review your year, ask God to give you his perspective, to see your life through his lens of love. Let him reveal to you your resilience, your strength, his mercy and grace that has been with you this whole way through. I have some reflections that I'd like to give you from members of our church. As they looked back on their 2020, as they reread their story, they read it with the eyes of faith, the eyes of a God who loves them. And they shared some thoughts with me that I'd like to share with you now. And I really believe that this will resonate with many of you. You will feel your story connect with some of your friends' stories. You'll see a God who is sovereign in his will and loves his people deeply. A God who will never abandon us. And he is not done with his work in our lives. What he started, he will finish. So here are some reflections from our own people. I saw God's presence this year when he asked me to slow down and to take time to work through things instead of rush past them and in right into the next thing. I saw God's faithfulness in helping me overcome some serious challenges and struggles that I had faced for so many years. I am stronger than I thought 
because I faced those fears and struggles that I so easily ignored before and thought I'd never work through. I saw God's faithfulness as he provided for me when my work closed and I didn't have a job and when he brought me back to that same job that I loved, even when it was a little bit different. Change can be difficult for me and this season of being back at work has meant nothing but change. I feel like, well, it uh, while it has been a challenge, God has reminded me that I am strong enough to work through that and to adapt. I have a history of anxiety. So I look back over these, these past nine months and I see how well I've been able to manage my anxiety. It's encouraging and it helps me realize how strong God is and that he has helped me become stronger. I saw 20, in 2020, I saw God's faithfulness and having everything I need. Not going to the stores as often or shopping to deal with stress, I was able to reflect on all that I have been given and give him thanks for everything I have. I've discovered I am stronger in a lot of ways because when you spend a lot of time alone with yourself and your thoughts all alone, you start to examine who you are. I really like the person God shaped before 2020 and the person he continues to shape now. Thinking about my year in retrospect is something I don't feel like I've done. Who has? I've just been trying to live through it and not relive it. But this evening I sat down and thought. I thought about this year and what has been afforded me. And two things come to mind. The first is that when everything came to a screeching halt and my overcommitted volunteer and work schedule became blank for the first time, Maybe ever. I was given time to sit with myself. And when you have to do that, when you have, to do, when you have that much time to do that, uh, to sit with yourself, all of these things of I've been too busy, uh, now I'm being forced to deal with some things. For me, uh, it was mental health in the form of anxiety. What my time in quarantine has gifted me was that the time to, um, to take steps and begin to navigate this new reality. In the past, I had pushed it down or pushed through or just let fear control my life. And while I'm not completely free from those things, I've been able to take the time and get the support and help that I need to be able to deal with the anxiety as it comes. Second, it's actually the narrative that God has been working on in my life and looking back, I see his fingerprints all over my story. A story that where God is showing me how to let myself be me. Learning to love me. Friends, God is present. God is with us. He is sovereign and he is going to continue to be with us into this new year. When you look back in this past year, it is my prayer, and I believe it is God's desire to be able to encourage your heart to see he has been there. You are getting stronger, you are growing, and he is not done with you yet. And his mercies, they're not just new every morning, they're new every year. Friends, we have a beautiful, perfect opportunity right now to say yes to God's goodness today. And we get to move forward in that. So my friends, let me close in a word of prayer and I just hope 
that it, as we enter into this new year, that you would see signs over and over again of God's provision, his protection, his anointing, his, his goodness in our lives. May we have eyes to see that, not just the things of despair. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you are most high. You are King above all kings and Lord of lords, and we worship you. And Lord, when we review our year, there are things that we see, but we ask for you to give us a new filter, for you to help us reread our story through the lens of your love and your grace and your providence. And Lord, I believe that you have great things in store for each and every one of us. You are with us. And Lord, your kingdom will not stop. And we get to be a part of that. Even our mistakes, you can transform into your glory so we can rest in your presence today. And we can trust that we can, we can do this life. We can do it with you. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Amen. Go in peace, friends.